Well, well, well. The whole house all to myself. I feel like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone sitting here. Wouldn't that suck if you, as a listener, had to just enjoy me talking to myself for over an hour? That's what it was going to be until my wonderful sister, Emily Ransom, came to join me on the show. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> wow, you're good at this podcasting thing, huh? <laughs> I was going to say, you kind of threw me off because my last name is no longer Ransom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you're right. Well, I said sister, so I was like, oh, last name. You're right. Your last name is not Emily Ransom. No. You have been married for over a year, too. year and a half. I said over a year. Yeah. I got you. All <laughs> you right. Got me, yeah. I'm not that dumb. <laughs> to Austin Keys, who was on the show uh, over five episodes ago, something like that. He something came on like and that. talked about cars and the medical field and whatnot. But hey, thank you for being here. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, I'm excited. So today, I know that's a little bit of a different intro. We had to get another guest because um, Cameron couldn't make it onto the podcast. Uh, just want to send out some prayers and let him know that the heart, um, our hearts are with him. He had a uh, kind of a family incident pop up with his grandpa who passed away. So he's caught up in that. So feel free to reach out to him and say, you know, you care about him and whatnot. But just because we couldn't have him, he was like, dude, still do the show. Try to find someone else. We, you, you can do something great. And so I started thinking to myself, who are like some interesting people that I know? And I've had a lot of interesting people on the show already. So I wanted to spice it up a little bit. Who better than my sister? Yeah, you wanted to save the best for now. What if you were just like a boring sibling? <laughs> like <you laughs> like <know>? Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> I got to be real. Most, mo- most of our, all three of us are fairly interesting, I think. Absolutely. I think that I would feel frustrated if my siblings were like, they, they didn't do anything if they're like low lives, you know? Yeah. If they just kind of sat at home. They just like ate chips or dude, I, I, I have no doubt that all of us are going to, well, Glenn and I still live at home. Right. But there's no doubt in my mind that we're both like going to leave here. Glenn is already ready to go. I'm not in a rush, but I'm also kind of excited to leave. Right. Wouldn't that be weird if one of us was like at home till we were 30? I don't even think dad would let us be here. I Yeah, I think I think dad would kick <laughs> us out. I think he would leave first, like with mom. I think that it's, I don't know, like if you're taking care of your parents or, or if you're doing something else, if you're living with your parents for other reasons, that's fine. It's just, I think I'd feel so weird if my siblings were like living at home and not working and just like sitting, you know? Yeah, well, none of us are that way, so. Well, that's why I had you on the show. Yeah. I'm just telling you straight up front. Everything Comes From Something is an unoriginal podcast about how everything comes from something. And I didn't just bring my sibling on here to talk about, you know, sisterhood or brotherhood. Sisterhood of the traveling pants or whatever. Okay? <laughs> so different. We usually talk about <laughs> movies, but no. Um, as a matter of fact, we decided that this episode, episode 36, would be about health habits. Because Emily, you are studying nursing, correct? That is correct. How long, um, how close are you to graduating? I graduate in May, actually. Dang. What? Whoa. Like, real soon. Real soon. I know. We didn't even get to, like, hang out at San Jose State at all. I know. <laughs> That's probably for the best. Are, are you, like, still on campus right now? Um, I'm there on Fridays. 
but um, so only sometimes do I show up. I don't. I'm not there on Fridays. I'm only there like Tuesday, Thursday. Okay. So if all those fans out there are, g- are going to be trying to find me, yeah, you know, well. that's where you can look. <laughs> Just letting you know. Yeah. Well, I think I think it would actually be good to talk about our childhood first. Yes. You know, our Bef- relationship growing up. Before I, just to give like a quick preview of what's coming up. Emily wants to talk about her experience with nursing, uh, a little bit of controversy with good old vaccination. Emily's quite passionate about that. <laughs> and uh, then we're going to talk about something a little different, Enneagrams. That's why we named it Health Habits because um, before the show, Emily and I were talking about like, oh, what is... Wh- what are things that she's passionate about? And I and I found it quite funny how she's passionate about Enneagrams, which is kind of like a personality test. But we'll, we'll get into that later. This um, spectrum of health habits in terms of like physical health and also mental health to, to some degree. Right. Well, I mean, when you're talking about health, you're not just talking about physical and mental health. You're also talking about emotional, which I guess can kind of tie into physical um, to mental health, but also um, spiritual health. It's all, you know, a holistic form of care. And especially as nurses and healthcare providers, that's something that we need to be more focused on. Cool. We're going to get into that stuff in just a second. Really quick, I want to shout out our Patreon producers, Darren O'Neill and Kiana Lay. Thank you guys for supporting the show. If you guys enjoy Everything Comes From Something, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podcast. You can give it the $5 level to get a question on the show. We're not reading questions on this show because Cameron's not here. And let's be real, you guys want to hear what he has to say about half the questions anyways. Uh, With that, if you want to join our creative producer team, there's also an option for you there. They are the people that help decide the show topics and work with us on an individual basis to help come up with the creativity. That is produced on this show. We also have a, a bunch of social media stuff. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Everything is ECFS podcast except for Twitter. It's just pod because the other name was taken and we have no money and we don't care to pursue it. So uh, you can follow us on all the normal social stuff. And really the big stuff is the iTunes rating. If you like the show, give us a rating on iTunes and tell a friend. That's how podcasts grow. So Emily Keys. <laughs> you got it right this time. Keys. Second time is the charm. You're still my sister. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> I like our last name. Ransom? Yeah. Yeah. The other day, Josh Peterson was making fun of my last name. And I said, dude, Peterson, don't even, okay? At least, Ransom is hardcore. At least it's like a real English word. Like, what the heck is Peterson? <laughs> Who <laughs> What's knows? <a> Peterson? <laughs> Sounds like a town nobody wants to ha- live in, you know? <laughs> yep. With a lot of racist white people. Wow. Uh, I was thinking more like East Coast. <laughs> Gee. I'm sorry. That was a little like off. Emily and I are recording this like pretty much at 10 o'clock. Yeah. So it's been a long day. I've been at school all day. You've been. I was at Stanford for like the entire day. It's so weird that you're at Stanford when you're a San Jose State student. Yeah. So basically we're doing some. We're kind of part of a study. It's like a research um, study. We're in both like the clinical setting and classroom setting so today i was in the classroom setting for how long oh my gosh well i got there at 7 30 we had um a couple of 15 minute breaks and one 30 minute break and we were done at 6 p.m how do you even focus you know what i didn't my brain turned off and i had to keep getting snacks from the vending machine dude i like straight up just didn't go to my last class today and it was the class after a test, and 
my friend who took notes for me who was in the class said, dude, I think everyone missed the linear regression question on the test because that's all we talked about. No new material. And I was just like, I'm so glad I didn't go because I was already feeling down. It's been raining in San Jose a lot. Uh, It's just been stormy and grim and usually I like that, but it's just been kind of annoying me. I think also I wore a fleece sweater today and a hat instead of mm-hmm. picking a jacket with a hood and <laughs> just it like totally r- stick to rain your skin? rain on my neck yeah not not fun no nope. i should have took the windbreaker and <laughs> what a mistake i can't think early in the morning though but that, that's that's besides the point we what have, is the point the point is <laughs> we've known each other for 22 years it's true that's how old i am it's not a lie I still um, sort of have PTSD from when you came home from the hospital. What do you mean? <laughs> I, I literally, I, I don't really remember the day exactly, but I remember the feeling of mom no longer paying attention to me and suddenly I was replaced. It was like traumatic. You are the oldest in the family. Yeah. And our, our we have... Uh, two siblings, both of both of us, <laughs> all together. <laughs> the, the, there's three siblings in the house. Yes. Okay, um, <laughs> my brother Glenn and I were very close. We shared a room for a long time, up until about two years ago, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, and then you had your own room. You're kind of completely ostracized, segregated in your own <laughs> yeah. section of the house. <laughs> Me but and my arts and crafts, my teddy bears. Just to kind of paint a picture for you guys, our house. This like this. This is kind of like the quick personality stamp I can give to each of us. And and tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. You being the oldest, you're very loud, very confrontational, yeah. also full of energy, and very sparky. You know, it's interesting that you said that because that definitely ties into my enneagram type. We'll get there. We'll get I there. know. I know. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just pulling it all together. I would say uh, me in the middle. I didn't cause a lot of trouble. I usually had my own plan in the back of my head. I was a little whiny, I think, in some <laughs> areas, but not as bad as my brother, not the, as bad the baby. As <laughs> uh, kind of just, my, my mom used to call me like the peacemaker, the middle kid, basically the ones, uh, you know, it's funny, you're like, oh, I'm neglected. I felt like I never caused any problems, and so mom and dad never looked at me. Really? They like literally didn't pay attention to me very much. And you know what's sad? What? Is they're never going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> it's that mom asked me every time, how do I get to this? I watched your one YouTube video. I saw him talk about bad junk food. And now I buy these crackers from Safeway that you guys like. <laughs> <on> a- <laughs> oh, she no. doesn't realize there's like over, what, 30 hours of me talking on the internet. Maybe you should, maybe you should try to be more rebellious and they'll actually listen to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah, they'll actually be judgmental and like, <laughs> we need to hear what Isaac's talking about now. We have to listen to a show. My dad literally listened to the podcast and was like, yo, your podcast is boring. <laughs> like the Ouch. first two episodes, he was, I guess he decided to listen to it on the commute. My dad doesn't do podcasts anyways. So I don't know why he would listen to it if he doesn't enjoy podcasts. Because you're his son and this is your project. Yeah, well, he stopped after like the first one. So it's okay. I don't need parental approval. Nah. And so, and then there's my little brother who is the prodigy at everything. Man. Extremely talented in music. He's the baby. He used to sleep all the time. And man, like 
he's just the one that the loved one, the beloved. He is the beloved. But For you, you know, Bible kids, Joseph is the <laughs> beloved. All His right? middle name is literally Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we put those together. That was good. Nice. Um, yeah, he's definitely the most artistic, very individual. Um, and as we get older, we kind of we've seen our personalities kind of bloom into positive and negative, right? In the sense where Glenn is kind of the helpless creative where he's very good at what he does, but sometimes he'll kind of go through these mood swings and he'll he'll uh, he'll have like moments of weakness or he'll just need to be alone. He he goes through like stages of depression and whatnot. I think. I don't know if he'll admit it, but um and me being I, I don't I don't really know how I bloomed. What what's your take on that? Cuz I'm not I try to be self-aware, but I don't want to talk to myself. Okay, like, well, I can. Um you're man of the people, right? You speak for the people, you help guide the people, and um you you definitely want to educate people on the things that you're passionate about and um and in terms of like like anger, I feel like you really aren't a very angry person and it takes a lot to get it out of you. And yeah, that's, I think where that peacemaker kind of comes in. Well, I see it's kind of in terms of like emotional power, you are, you get pretty angry fairly quick, which is funny. I'm not, I'm not very reactive. Uh, you're very reactive. Yeah. That's a good way to put it, right? <laughs> you're very yeah. reactive. Um, you're very loud and you also are no, like there's no crap with you. Which oh, I yeah, actually, I, yeah, it's, I, it, yeah. And I, I love, that. I love that, right? You like cut to the heart right away, right? There's no crap with me, but I'm also kind of like ambassador-esque. Right, you're, um, like I said, you're like a man f- of the people for the people. That's your presidential sure. slogan. all right, well, <laughs> I don't want to be a politician, so. <laughs> well, you'd um, be good. And then there's Glenn, who I would say is he isn't as like to the point he isn't also quick to respond right away like he has a little bit of that like tension and i don't mean to like paint us siblings as like all anger or like response (laughs) you know but like he kind of is more like reclusive he'll he'll back up a little bit or he'll run away a little bit he'll withdraw yeah he'll he'll withdraw right yeah um and so that kind of gives you a painting of what our house was like even like that's just like a brief summary of course there's way more to siblings and family um i don't know why i wanted to get into that but i think the dichotomy between us three siblings is is kind of interesting in how we each we kind of balance each other out in a little bit in the areas that we're weak one of us is strong at least one of us yeah yeah i would say we're pretty well balanced and um you know a lot of families will have people that are similar or um completely vastly different but we all kind of have a little bit that we sprinkle into the mix so and also i think we have a little bit of mom and dad in us well i'd hope so uh, well you know i mean like <laughs> are you saying i'm adopted <laughs> no, that would be glenn oh <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> no but no i just was uh, i was gonna touch on a little bit really quickly i just have this memory of glenn when he was little and he would get in trouble and I think we have it on home video. Actually, yes. Yes. Where. He, okay. It was like he was touching the cabinet or something that he wasn't supposed to be touching. And dad <laughs> said something like, Glenn, what are you doing? And he like collapsed on the ground 
and I'm, played dead. Yeah, he just played dead. Yeah, like a what does that? Like a he, skunk? I guess. Glenn's possum. Always, Possums do that. Dude, Glenn's always known <laughs> that he is a cutie. You know what I mean? Even yeah, to this, we just cheeks. got Froyo with him. I'm sad he's not here to defend himself on the show because we were going to try to invite him for the last half hour, but um, I might warn you. <laughs> we we might still ju- could. We might just do this episode at an hour. Come on, guys. Don't get upset. You got, two, might... you got two hours last week. Okay? <laughs> we could invite Glenn, though. That might be entertaining. I think it would be fun. I think... We'll, we'll get into more sibling banter in that sense, but yeah. just to kind of continue building a foundation between us, right? Right. Um... I want to hear more about what you thought of me, I guess. Like, I, I like I don't know. I just find it interesting. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I saw you as a peaceful brother who was, well, you and Glenn were both very annoying. You basically made my life one big joke. <laughs> I still, you know what I remember? <laughs> Is kidnapping <laughs> your Barbies with the G.I. Joes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so mad about that. And, like, running over their heads. Because Barbies have squishy heads. Yeah, but you, like, put lacerations in their backs. They were, like, <laughs> jacked up. We ran over Ken's head <laughs> Ken. so many times. Brutality. And, like, I'm pretty sure his, his like, his connection piece on his neck Begin to stretch. Like, no, Tarzan's head literally fell off. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think what happened is I had left them outside in the Barbie pool. <laughs> I took. <laughs> I remember. Getting, I remember getting Tarzan an M nine gun. <laughs> oh, Tarzan. Why did you have Tarzan Barbies? I don't know, but he had dreadlocks. So that's was pretty, pretty sick. Le- that's just pretty legit. <laughs> sick. I remember you used to, you used to dress up uh, Tarzan. But then, like, you'd also take all his clothes off, too, because you're like, he's Tarzan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not supposed to wear clothes. <laughs> he's, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. it's, yeah. That, we did, because Glenn and I were brothers. We did everything together. We just didn't include you on anything. No, and, you know, that's okay. I needed to learn to be independent. But I always felt a sense of protect. I needed to protect you guys. I felt, like, responsible for your safety. I remember as you started to date, um, in high school and beyond, you and I had a couple conversations about how I felt weird being your younger brother, but also wanting to protect you mm. as your brother. And you're like, dude, I'm older than you. I'm more independent than you. Like, I don't need your protection, but I appreciate it. And I was just like, no, but I, I, like, I was like a little chubby high schooler. Like, no, I'll protect you. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, so cute. It was kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about health, though, there was one incidence. Uh, what are you talking about? There was an incident as children. That was definitely a health violation. Are you talking about my weight? No, I'm talking about the poop incident. Oh, no. <laughs> Do I have your permission? I told you before, yeah. Okay, okay. So, basically... Speaking of when I just arrived into the ransom party house. I'm just kidding. It's just No, I, you definitely were crawling around at this point. So (laughs) I was on patrol recon mode. (laughs) So ew. So I was being potty trained and mom had the little plastic potty that sits next to the toilet. So I could try to go potty by myself. And I, uh, I apparently I 
let out a couple of turds. You split a log. Yeah. And uh, left it there because you can't flush a plastic potty. That's true. <laughs> I just, I, you know what? What do they do with You that? dump it and then you wash uh, it. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, it's kind of stupid. I'm just going to tell my kid, hey, if you're going to fall in the potty, see ya. Just figure it out. Fall in the potty. Have you? Okay. Wh- why don't I tell him if you, like, if I'm going to potty train my kid, I'm going to be like, okay, get up there. But, you know, if you fall in, you're never coming back. Okay, but let's do a side note. <laughs> you know how men leave the toilet seat up? Don't even get me started with this. Okay. That's literally what it feels like. I feel like you feel like you're falling in. <laughs> and you're never, ever coming back. <laughs> but wait, I want to tell my story. Yes. So I left my yes, logs. But, but this is a podcast. Give me a second. Okay. Let me rant. Okay. Let's what is it. the deal with girls and the seat? Okay. I don't. And the seat? The seat. Oh. If I put the seat down, like closed. Yeah. Mom gets mad. Why? I don't know. She's like, you. It needs to go in the like the one position of top lid up and bottom lid down. See, I disagree because then things fall in. It's like a magnet for yeah. all things electronic. Maybe I just got the weird memo. Maybe it's just this house. Mom's like, you can't. Don't put the toilet seat down, like all the way down. Maybe I, it just confused me. Maybe mom thinks that if you put the toilet seat all the way down, it means that it's stinky. <laughs> I close it so that things don't fall in. Oh, that makes sense. We are in earthquake territory. Yeah. So there we were. I'm in recon mode. Two logs. Two logs. I didn't actually witness this because I was still a child. Baby. Thanks for looking out for me, big sister that's going to defend me. And But Isaac was crawling wild through the house and he found his way into the bathroom. He also happened to really like chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> You're cruel. You're cruel. <laughs> Well, basically, mom caught him with a piece of poo in his mouth. <laughs> and as she always did, she called poison control. Hey, we're talking about health. Actually, I'm going to find the poison control number Why? for all of you, just in case. It's still a thing. Well, it's pretty toxic. Listen to this. Well, one time, Glenn ate styrofoam. Oh, that's right. And one time, you stuck a raisin up your nose. <laughs> yeah, but you don't call poison control for a raisin up your nose. I don't know what ha- We took you to the doctor? Yeah, not as bad as when Catherine put meat up her nose. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> That's nasty. Yeah. Um, and then another time, I think I put matches in my mouth. Mom called poison control. Okay, so America, American Association of Poison Control Centers is available 24 hours a day. Wow. Yeah, so it's good for parents who are maybe like, oh my gosh, did I... Did my child eat something poisonous? Do I have to take them to the emergency room? Do I just have to give them fluids? I can definitely see Jules abusing that number. You know what? And it's good. We should abuse it. Okay. So the phone number is 1-800-222-1222. I swear we're not trying to sell you anything. <laughs> it's just poison control. Just Google it. Poison control. You'll find it. Mm-hmm. Um, thank so you for I- that information. Yeah. So Isaac and I have kind of a special bond. Ever since I ate your poop. Yeah. Biohazard. And- I knew that we were siblings. <laughs> you tasted it. <laughs> I don't get it why people give crap about that story. Like they, they give me crap. They give crap. <sighs> Literal I'm crap. Bad choice of words. Okay. Um. But they're like, oh my gosh, Isaac, you ate poop. Oh my god. I'm like, dude, I'm a stupid little like two year old. But How? you survived. I survived. Not many people can say that. And now look where look, look how I am today. <laughs> you have a duck on your hat. <laughs> Whack. 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little different when I'm around Emily. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Me too. We goof off. We just got dinner, like I said. But like, what what happened? I was sitting in, in the middle in the corner of that restaurant, and there was like something. I laughed really weird, and then I was like, I should just laugh again. Freak out that lady that was working there. Yeah, Remember the one that? that gave you all the kombucha. Yeah, dude, that was so. <laughs> like, we just start doing weird stuff. If you have siblings, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, but some people aren't close to their siblings, you know? Get close with your siblings. Yeah. I have I have this thing. If if you're not close with your siblings, truly I don't know what your story is with them. Um and I'm pro- I don't have any of the information, but here's what I will say. Logistically and as a fact, you're stuck with family for life. It's true. That's how we were raised. You're stuck with them for life, whether you like them or not. So you might as well try to make the best of it. And the nice thing about being close with siblings is that I for sure always have friends. Right. Even if everyone leaves me, my siblings are obligated to hang out with me. <laughs> so, Well, you know what I tell people? Actually, you know what I tell children? Because I used to be a nanny. I would always say, even though they're annoying now, they'll be your best friends later. And they'd always be like, no way, no way, no way. I'd be like, no, it's true. It is true it's amazing but i didn't bring you on the show just to go down memory lane and to talk about crap well (laughs) we can talk about crap because it kind of pertains to health sure let's talk about your nursing career okay let's talk about how it's just starting what are some points or or things that you've taken away from it what is some stuff that you want people to know about nursing oh my gosh that's quite a big question how about this just a second ago, I was reading about the history of medicine. Yeah. And I said in 1200 uh, BC, I think it was, or AD, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 1200 AD, my bad, um, they started teaching physicians in Italy. And the first thing you said is, I'm a nurse, not a phys- physician. Yeah. Well, there are two different things. First of all, I'm not a nurse yet. Um, but second... Physicians and nurses have very different jobs, and I think a lot of people see a nurse and they think, oh, a nurse, the you know, the nurse's boss is the doctor, but that's actually not true. We'll talk about it. Okay, well, um, essentially, the doctor will diagnose a patient. They'll look at all the values of labs and um, other diagnostic tests like MRIs, CT scans, and they'll diagnose a patient and give orders, medications, um, Kind of basic things like how if they're able to walk um, by themselves, if they need to be on bed rest, bowel rest, um, and kind of like their fluid status, like what they what kind of fluids they should be having, S- stuff like that. And then a nurse will actually carry out the orders. Um, but as nurses, we have to understand what um, the pathophysiology behind all the conditions because. Sometimes doctors make mistakes. Um, sometimes they need recommendations. Um, we are with the patients most of the time, so um, the doctors really only make a round, rounds like once a day, twice a day. I find a good allegory for understanding between nurse and doctor is think of a like a big high-end CEO who's pushing an agenda yeah. for a company. And then all the engineers that work underneath him. He couldn't get it done without the engineers. And the engineers know how the mechanics work. And they do all the hard, heavy lifting, right? 
but at the end of the day, he's making the shot calls. And sometimes there's like this disconnect between um, CEO and the actual like working engineers of a company. It's yeah. a little bit of a stretch, but I, I feel yeah. like a lot of people don't consider doctors and nurses in that light. Well, we're definitely like an interdisciplinary team where we all work together um, and we have just different roles, but we're all basically the point is, is the patient. That's right. the point. Something that you said to me when you were just getting into nursing school at San Jose State was you were talking about how with surgeons, nurses are almost like more responsible or something like that than the actual surgeons or something like that. No. <laughs> I don't know what you were talking about, but there was something where it's like, because you link that, the, the action that the nurse has to take yes. being like more on them than it is the doctor who's doing the command. I know something. what you're referring to. So um, basically, if we give a medication that's ordered by the doctor, reviewed by the pharmacist, and it's wrong and it hurts the patient, it's our fault. Not the doctor. Um, I mean, obviously, they're at some fault, but um, it's our job to be that last um, level of protection between the patient and any harm. So um, we're the patient advocate, but at the same time, we're also like their protector, I guess. This is what kind of confuses me. Not all doctors are nurses, correct? No, probably no doctors are nurses. Maybe like a couple where they became a nurse and they said, I want more. (laughs) That is like really odd to me. I feel like doctors should be nurses first. You mean needing like floor experience? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why a lot of people, I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about physicians. A lot of them are amazing. But um, a lot of times people prefer to see their nurse practitioner at the doctor's office because they feel like that person's more, you know, personable. Yeah. So that's that was someone that was a nurse and then continued education. Nurse N- practitioners can prescribe medication and diagnose. Got it. Yes. N- nurses are w- weird. When I think about like actual nurses that I know, it's such a mixed bag. Well, that's good. We don't want all the same in the same bag. I'm just talking <laughs> about like the quality oh. of nurses. Okay. I went to a blood drive once and mm. there was someone who I think was definitely new who missed the needle. And some people like get uncomfortable on needles. I'm very chill about it. I, I'm yeah. literally like... Give me the one that takes the longest because I didn't want to go back to class. It was in high school. That's why I was doing it. I'm not a good person. I was just like, I don't want to be in class. Do, give me, do the one that does like the hemoglobin uh, split or whatever. You gave double packed blood cells. Yes. Yeah. This is right. Just or Sorry. Is this right? We have like around five pints of blood in us or something. Oh my gosh. Don't ask me that question. It's more than that. Okay. It's, I gave. I think it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm not sure. And that's fine. That's fine. Uh, you're not a nurse yet, like we said. Well, I don't even think you would need to know that. I don't. There Maybe. was one time where I gave blood and I came home and I know you were interested in studying that stuff. I think you were in college at the time taking a biology class and you're like, dude, you should not have walked home. You gave too much blood. Yeah. I mean, your blood carries oxygen. You know, there's hemoglobin that carries oxygen that carries it to your cells, your tissues, all that. Um, okay, so an average adult has between 9 and 12 pints of blood in their body, so you gave two of those. Yes. Yeah. Or no, maybe you gave one pint. No, I gave two. Or two or three. Not three. It was definitely two then. 
Okay. It was a larger amount, but I got white blood cells back. Yeah, it, they it took does that like volume. circulation thing. Um, but yeah, when I was doing that at the blood drive, the lady like missed, and I was like, I'm surprised. I've never seen anyone miss. And I was like, that's fine. It's harder than you think. Shoot again. And uh, she missed again. <laughs> it's hard. And she's like starting to pinch my arm. I'm like, okay, like, you know, she's starting to sweat. Obviously, it's, it's personal. Uh, well, it's uncomfortable for her, right. right? And I wasn't freaked out. I was like, I know, like, it's, I'm not going to die around a bunch of nurses, right? <laughs> like, I have a, there's a bunch of medical people around me. So then she like called over whoever was running it. The, I don't know if it was the doctor or, or whoever the head nurse was there and they did it right. Um, it might not have been a nurse. Maybe not. It could be a phlebotomist. I've had a lot of nurse, or <laughs> nurses. Mm-hmm. Nursi? No, nurses. <laughs> uh, nurses laugh at me, which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> and mm. I'm not going to tell you the story why. Nope, that's a secret. <laughs> Uh, there, um, but I knew a lot of nurses at Starbucks, uh, when I used to work at Starbucks. That's right. And I told them my fun stories about when nurses laughed at me. And then they laughed at you. Some more nurses laughed at you. Some more. So nurses, they either laugh at me or they're good at their job. So you can't be both. Nah, they're probably both. Yeah. Well, I for sure will laugh at you forever. I feel like you, you're just set up to be a great nurse. Thanks, Isaac. I just, there's something about your personality. Specifically, mm. when you start talking about vaccination, yeah, well that that's one of the ones that really gets me all fired up. Now, I want to say for the record, on this show, do your own research, please. We are not trying to brainwash you. If you've listened to this show for a while, you know that we just promote idea. We just throw ideas around. That's the pretty much like the point of the show. Um, everything comes from something as a broad statement because Cameron and I like to talk about everything and we like to talk about what people are passionate about and I didn't give a crap about vaccination until you started going on a rant about it yeah so first first and foremost um I do want to reiterate what you said um doing your own research is the most important thing you can do um getting your info from Facebook really not a good idea um Really what you should be doing, and not even documentaries, honestly, because documentaries can be used to skew information and to make you think one thing. They take bits and pieces, and it's really not a reliable source because it's, you know, it's pushed towards one agenda. They're not really searching for truth. Um, it is it is hard because I, I'm, I've watched a lot of documentaries currently in school, and I'm taking a green energy class right now. And my teacher's extremely biased, but he constantly says... I'm trying my best not to be biased, which I appreciate. Right. But still him, like he already, he already let me know he's biased. You well, know, the, the first thing it is knowing you have biases. And he showed us a, a documentary and was like, this is a super biased documentary. There's no science based behind it. And then he made us all watch it. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> then why? <laughs> why did we watch this then? Right. It's all testimonial mm. about how people feel. And it was made by a guy named Josh Fox, and it had to do with coal. Um, maybe his name isn't Josh Fox. No, that's definitely <laughs> a singer. Actually, it might be him then. I'm not even kidding. It's like really weird. It's a very odd uh, documentary. But well, well, can I talk about 
I guess I can. Kinda yeah. Let's. But uh, my point being, very valid. What you're saying. Yeah. Doing and, your own research. Um. So if you do want to do research on vaccines, um, take into consideration first of all who wrote the article. Um, are they researchers? Are they credible? Do they have degrees in these um, topics? And yeah. then, sorry, I just cross-checked it. the The documentary is called Gasland, and it is directed by Josh Fox. So yes, <laughs> I'm not crazy. Can I see his photo? Sure, I'll hit on it. Let me see. Uh, he's a director, so I really not a singer. Dang, he's got a lot of stuff. Amy. Searching for the Sugar Man. <laughs> uh, no, no, those are uh, bigger, bigger movies than I actually anticipated. This is what he looks like. Look at that guy. Boom. Glasses. Is that the singer of Bleachers? No, <laughs> that's Josh Fox. <laughs> I know. I don't know what it is about these pop filters. I notice they're like kind of hard to make it hard to breathe. Yeah. You notice that? You know what it feels like? What? When you're wearing a mask in the hospital. Yeah, because you're you're nice up and up and close, but yeah. a good good reference to you know the health health field, right? But so research, you got to look at who's writing the articles. You want them to be research articles with um, some sort of test subjects, um, methods, results, data that you can review. Um, you'll find that don't just read the introduction and the conclusion because a lot of times their data that they have might you might come to a little bit different of a conclusion you might see errors in their study um, but you want it to be peer-reviewed and you want to kind of know who funded it because that really will alter the results it's really hard with data and even statistics because i'm studying economics and it just seems like you can really skew anything the way you want and i understand i understand that peer review is supposed to help but there's this great. There are these two guys that were on the Joe Rogan podcast who literally wrote crap on purpose and got it peer reviewed. And seven of the eleven articles that were literally based off nothing got passed and peer reviewed. That's terrifying. And then they all got revoked once they found out it was a joke. Like they, it was. It was. They did. They literally did a scientific study. Um, it's a little vulgar, but they they said, "Does the size of pets?" testicles no uh, something like uh yeah like pet testicles have to do with the sexuality of their owner and they and they did a full study on it and they and they made it they basically what they did is they mean it they made it super politically leaning towards one side and they were just like we knew they couldn't say no to this because it goes with their agenda and their peer review they'd pass it wow and they wrote these articles and they got seven of 11 of the articles passed. And so like even peer review, I start to like kind of itch a little bit. I think what you're saying about checking out the numbers, reading the data yourself, that's where it's at, you know? Yeah. And it's the most boring thing in the world and not a lot of people have the energy to do it. And I'm in school trying to study that stuff and still like I don't enjoy doing it. Well, and obviously there's still problems with Western medicine. I mean... I quite honestly think that we should be combining Western and Eastern. Eastern medicine is really preventative um, using natural things like food and herbs to sort of, you know, do the things to your body that need to be done um, before you have to start taking medication that Western medicine provides. Don't you think that Western medicine culture is kind of headed 
to that direction of Eastern, at least from where we're at. Yeah, I mean, we definitely say we want preventative medicine. That's like our thing. Um, however, there's something weird. Like it's like we don't want to admit. I, I think it's probably partially the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies um, funding these studies and stuff. But and there's a lot of um, things wrong with that. But I mean, that's a different topic. That's different. <laughs> we've li- we've kind of derailed. Yeah, as usual. Let's get back on to the topic of vaccination. Yeah, so basically do your own research, but this is my opinion. <laughs> I and and I appreciate your opinion. Here's the thing. I'll I'll state my opinion as well. I I am for vaccination and I've always been confused why people have been against it. Well, I can give you some background. And and like literally just on a stupid note, like I have no reason why I support vaccination until I talk to you, right? I was just kind of like, oh, why wouldn't you take a medicine that is supposed to improve your immune system? Like, that was literally my train of thought. I'm like, oh, like, this basically helps your immune system identify it quicker, and bada-boom, bada-bing, there you go. Bada-boom, You're like, you're done. And that's what I was taught in school, and so I was just like, yeah, like, what, what else could it be? Well, the immune system is a very complex, very complex system of your body. Um, there's a lot about it we don't even understand. Um... But vaccines, well, do you want the history? What do you want? Give me what you want to talk about. Okay. So vaccines kind of started back when there was smallpox. Um, Right. Smallpox killed one in three people who got it. Um, I think almost everyone got it, but I could be wrong. Please don't quote me. Um, But it, it did kill one in three. So imagine you, me, Glenn. Which one is it going to be? One of them dies. <laughs> probably me. Let's be real. <laughs> no, it's probably me. I have lack of sleep. <laughs> so do I. Um. So, I mean, it was such a big problem. People were dropping like flies. And um, they started to notice that the women who milked cows, for some reason, didn't have... They had the clearest of skin. And I don't know if you know this, but smallpox used to cause really bad scarring. Kind of right. like chicken pox. You've yeah. seen scarring. So they noticed that the milkmaids or whatever they were called mm-hmm. were stunning. Their skin was porcelain. Perfect. Really? Yeah. And so they, this guy was like, why is this the case? And um, they noticed that they asked them, hey, have you ever had smallpox? And they'd say, oh, well, I, I got a little bit on my hand and then it went away and I never got it again. So that's kind of where immunity started. You know, the idea of immunity started coming into play. Do you um, know, like, kind of a time frame of when this is going down or? Oh, gosh. I'm not a history nut. That's fine. Uh, we talk a lot about history on this I show. I know. I know. You can probably look it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when this happened, basically the scientists that realized this noticed that the cows had like po- um, like smallpox pustules right. on their udders. I think that's the word. Ugh. And that when the women were milking cows, they were getting this on their hand and it was giving them kind of a different form of the disease, but it actually made them immune to the smallpox that's virulent in humans. So the man that noticed the milkmaids and the cow thingies. Yeah. Uh, his name is Edward Jenner. Did you already say that? No. And this was in 1796. He was the first one to produce a successful vaccine yes. for smallpox. Yeah, I think there was a guy before him, but it was unsuccessful. Right. Poor and, guy. And, and just for those of you who don't know, 
all a vaccine is doing is basically giving a small uh, weakened or dead dose of the um, the virus itself. So you're not going to give a vaccine for like bacteria. Right. That is something else. That's called what what do you give for bacteria? You give it after the fact and it's antibiotics. Thank you. I was, right. <laughs> was looking for that word. <laughs> yeah. But um, in terms of vaccines, it's typically for virus. And um, when you put it in your body, your body starts to create um, basically it starts to recognize that as a foreign object and creates like an army specified for that specific um, foreign thing in the body. So that the next time it sees it, it'll kill it. So I can understand how some people might back up from vaccines because they're like, whoa, you're putting bad stuff in your body. Well, it's not really the the virus that they're afraid of. Typically, it's what they have to put in the vaccine to preserve it. That's what they're afraid of. So there are chemicals preserving the virus. Yes. And um, I honestly think that we're smart, right? We're scientists and we're moving forward. We could probably find a better way. Um, and I agree with them, but I also am not going to risk the life of my child um, or risk the, I, well, I won't even get into the whole autism. I'll get into the autism thing in a little bit, but um, I'm not going to even think about that, right? Because vaccines are, have saved so many lives and have helped us tremendously. It's, we can't regress. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe this counter movement towards vaccinations comes at the ignorance of how much they've helped. Just in terms of human health historically, right? Yeah. I mean, well, smallpox is a big one. Polio is another. So smallpox is actually the only thing we've officially eradicated from the planet, meaning that there's not one case on the entire planet. Um, I will say, though... <laughs> with smallpox it's actually stored um as a weapon for different countries for biomedical warfare oh gosh yeah so we're actually you and i are not vaccinated mom is anyone that you see in their arm there's usually like a scar uh-huh um they stopped giving it after a while um they they've been vaccinated but since it's not on the planet anymore why would we why would we do that so the army and again this is what I've learned, but um, if someone taught me wrong, I apologize. <laughs> or I've read wrong information. But I'm the army, I'm pretty sure, is also um, anyone in the force. Is, is vaccinated? Is vaccinated for smallpox, yes. That's kind of interesting. I mean, how terrifying, though. Imagine, that would be yikes. If smallpox came back. Yeah. How quick do you think uh, the medical field would be to resolving the issue or do you think that mutation would kick in at that point i mean at that point everyone that hasn't been exposed needs to be vaccinated immediately right um anyone that's been exposed needs to be isolated yeah so that stuff is is tricky because it almost takes away a human right yeah it it, it, public safety though right but I can understand why people feel so strongly about it. Well, they feel like they're not being given a choice. And I understand that. But I also um, don't think that you have the right to... Well, I don't want to offend anybody. But you also don't have the right to put you know, the public at, in harm's way in other ways, right? I'm trying to think of a good... I, I like to think in allegories or even in like counterexamples to help even myself understand it. And you can see that with my 
reference to a CEO and engineers, right? Particularly. Well, you're, you're creating pathways in your brain. Right. I'm trying to consider an example for vaccination. Because, like, my first day of class at San Jose State uh, this semester, I was sick. Mm-hmm. And I messaged all my teachers, but only one of them reached out to me and said, thank you for not coming to class. Yeah, I think the Bay Area, we just don't stop working. So right. we're almost penalized for not working through our sickness. Yeah. Even in the hospital, it's like put on a mask. <laughs> it's right. Like, um, well, people trying to get their hustle on, right? Yeah. Think about those door dashers. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know if I thought of a good example for that, but in terms of public safety, you know, vaccines are public safety. You're not going to let someone go poop in a river. Right. Even though it's a free country. Oh, I got one. <laughs> okay. I got one. <laughs> that would now this is, safety. this is super controversial and I'm sorry. Thanks. <laughs> I noticed that, uh, I'm not going to say that. It would be like, even in terms of public safety, what if you let people open carry rocket launchers? around just and 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 that's like an extreme situation very extreme yeah like stupid extreme yeah let's say you make people open carry rocket launchers and they have a string attached to the trigger uh that they have to hold with their mouth (laughs) very very (laughs) vivid but it's like you're walking around and you're like, I swear I won't let go of this string or yank it in one direction. I'll be good. Like I'll wear a couple coats. I'm just going to Safeway with my like rocket launcher. Nobody's going to notice me, even though I have uh, this big thing that could definitely hurt people. Um, but trust me, with the string in my mouth, you know, like that. It's like a long. <laughs> it's definitely not the analogy I want to come up with. <laughs> well, I don't know why I came up with it, but that, in my brain, I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense, you know. <laughs> that's funny not quite the same but i usually again, get I public usually, safety i usually get compliments about my examples but not tonight not a um a spider-man or a national treasure example what's wrong with national treasure <laughs> there was one time you talked about it and i had to laugh nicholas cage is not <laughs> that great <laughs> he's awesome okay i don't know what you're talking about i really want to watch his new movie called mandy supposed to be crazy i have not heard of it he, like has a chainsaw war with somebody in it holy cow yeah and i would not uh, by the way don't take that recommendation seriously mandy is like a very hard r and it is a weird art film but cameron is influencing me in negative ways so <laughs> where was i we're talking about vaccines we're talking about uh people walking out and losing personal freedom yeah i mean i can understand that and the biggest thing is like when you're fighting for a cause you really need to understand the other side so i've been trying to kind of research the other side and it's hard because a lot of it's just against science um it's kind of like the people that say that there's no climate change right (laughs) you know i mean we can talk about what's causing it but um you can't deny science i've been okay well, climate change is a different thing. I don't want to get off topic. We don't have to get off topic. Yeah, but I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so vaccines are important. Um, I mean... That's where you're going to leave it at. That's. I mean, I probably could say a lot more. I think... 
I think I think that people just don't realize what would happen. Um, for okay, for example, measles. Right. Okay, so in northern America, <laughs> I think it was Oregon. There was that outbreak. It was like thirty cases among children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So something about something about disease. Um, a lot of diseases they need a lot of the particle, if you will. for you to be exposed to you have to be exposed to a lot of them to maybe get the disease measles it's quite literally only one yeah one little particle soup and um after the person leaves the room it can stay in the room for two hours so talk about something that's really contagious yeah um now granted most people probably won't die of measles um, they'll get sick, they'll become immune and they'll move on. The problem is, is we don't know a lot of times, um, you know, just with any sickness, a lot of times you're contagious before you show symptoms. So, you know, even on the idea of like the flu vaccine, um, if, I mean, there's, I, there's a lot of controversy around that, but say you have the flu, right? Right. I'm not going to probably die of the flu, Right. Okay, Probably but, not. But what happens to the lady, the old lady that's going through chemotherapy? Right. You know, she has a low immune system. Or what about the young man with AIDS? Yes. HIV. Um, low immune system. Um, a young baby who hasn't been immu- like had any immunizations yet. Um, they are more susceptible. They are more fragile in terms of disease mm-hmm. and their immune systems and so they're more likely to be taken over by something that's a lot that for us our bodies are strong enough to fight um so i like to think of it like if i don't va- it's called herd immunity so if the herd is immune it can't travel it can't replicate and it dies off right um but if we just think we're going to get over it we're going to pass it along to the people that are going to die from it yeah and really that's there should be some level of responsibility yeah i just i feel like a lot of people probably neglect or deflect that responsibility because they're like oh it's uh it's not me or it's not like it they don't they don't take it personally on themselves and i think that for you it makes sense that you're so passionate about it because that's something you're studying right um yeah and i just care about people yeah (laughs) i think that's an important thing too something sort of a random side note which is kind of what this episode's becoming. Our cousin Chris has these kids that live on the farm. Just yeah. kind of going on immunity, right? Yes. And they are the most wild children uh, in in the best <laughs> way. They're very crazy. Very fun. Um, But they used to roll around in the mud nonstop. Really? One of them used to eat rocks for fun, I think. Yeah, I wonder if they're still in him. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if he sinks in a pool. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like, a, hopefully they don't bring back those witch hunts. You know what I mean? I think about that fairy tale where they sew the rocks into the wolf. I think and then about he drowns. I think about those old uh, witch trials where oh, they're yeah. like, if you sink, um, <laughs> you're not a witch, but if you float, you are. So like everyone. Floating. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's a, you have to learn how to like hold your breath and, and sink. <laughs> like right. let all the air out. Well, either down. way, you die. That sucks. Do you get it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> beside the point, those kids didn't get sick often, 
and they're also indestructible little tanks. I've watched them run into things, and I mean, I think most kids are fairly indestructible, but there's something supernatural about those children. Well, they do say that kids that grow up on farms actually, um, it's something about the manure in the air. They're exposed to a lot more. Yeah, they they tend to have um, almost no prevalence of asthma. Really? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, that is city people. We well, got asthma. Yeah. Asthma. It's all that. All those cars. <laughs> all the pollution and the lack of manure in the air. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Final note on vaccination. Yeah. I don't know how much you want to talk about your nursing stuff, but I want to get into the enneagrams. We're coming up on fifty-six minutes. Dang. So we're pretty good at this. I told you it's not too bad. <laughs> Emily was really nervous about coming on the show. I kind of, I kind of st- st- stuttered, st- stuttered. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> you're doing. You're very well spoken. Thanks. So far, uh, I wasn't worried. But way to jinx it. With the hammer. Way to jinx it, Isaac. You're welcome. So you touched on kids getting something from vaccination. What was that? Oh. <laughs> Okay. I was going to say asthma because that's what you're talking <laughs> about. You, no. Um, no. So, okay. So, this is all a complete lie. But in the 90s, there was a study. Um, the researcher, main researcher's last name was Wakefield. And he came up with this idea that vaccines cause autism. Um, later, it was actually published in The Lancet can't believe I know this all off the top of my head. Um, but The Lancet uh, is like a reputable journal. And they had to take that out of circulation because later a bunch of stuff came out that the numbers were changed and fudged or something. And, right. Um, that this, first of all, the study size was like five people or uh, that that's probably stretching it. But it was very few. I right. mean, you need when you have a study size, you're looking at a large group so you can see statistically you know, you can't take five people and assume that they're going to represent a whole population. In my econometrics class, you have to at least have over 30 if you're going to make any sort of assumption or even a touch of... Wait, you have to have at least over 30 if you are looking for um, any association with the population at all. The population, specifically. Which is, yeah. I know it seems small, but that's to even say a claim... About like a confidence interval and statistic like estimation. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think we've really done proper research to really see if maybe there's like a genetic marker. Um, And again, I'm not an expert, but that's no reason why you shouldn't vaccinate your kids. And also it kind of ticks me off that people would rather spread disease and let their kid have the potential of dying from disease than for their kid to, even though this isn't proven scientifically, have uh, autism. Yeah, it was like, oh, better, That's my, offensive, better my kid than all these other kids. That well, are gonna... autism is not necessarily a bad thing. Well, well, I mean, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, there's high-functioning autism, um, but everyone contributes to this planet, right? Um, I've seen people with autism comment on those posts saying, <laughs> like, oh, you would rather you know, have that happen and someone end up like me. Yeah. And it's like, yikes. I mean, they say, I think they even say like Albert Einstein 
was slightly autistic. Yeah, there's different levels of it. Um, but I can understand why people would be nervous about it. You know, you know what's strange is I think this this is coming from a position of no experience, honestly. Yes. And so take all, like again, take it with a grain of salt. I'm taking it. <laughs> I I've met high functioning autistic people and even like low functioning autistic people and they are some of the most joyful people yeah i've ever met now i've met angry ones too i met ones that are definitely going through a hard time well i mean a lot of times they have trouble with like sensory and right um, auditory stimulation but i have met people who are happy and doing well i think it it's hard for someone to say, "Oh, I don't, I don't want my kid to have autism," because that's even more of a responsibility for, on, on them. And I'm not trying to be like, "Oh, you're just being selfish for yourself," but I am also kind of trying to say that. But also, they don't cause autism. Also, <laughs> I just can't. It's crazy you say that. Studies from the '90s. How does it still have legs when everybody says, "Oh, it, it's it doesn't." A- I mean, there's a lot of people that will report my child. The next day after the vaccine had symptoms. And like, I mean, maybe we need to do a little bit more research. Maybe we need to look at genetic markers. Um, Maybe we need to clean up vaccines a little bit. Um, But that's not really the point. The point is that vaccines are specific to immune against viruses. And it's helping our society as a whole. Right. There are some small case externalities that may or may not be collaborating nothing that that. holds water right um but i do think it's valid what you're saying maybe we should still strive for improvement absolutely when the day you stop is the day that science dies and you can't assume that you were right 100 percent of the time however as long as science errs on the side of vaccines i also err on the side i mean and also it just does such good especially in healthcare. it's kind of one of those things that overlaps right well, I appreciate you coming and sharing your ideas about that. Of course. We're at an hour. I'm down to go a little bit longer if you want. I'm for sure down to go pretty much as long as you need to go. Cool. I want to... I, I, th- I think it's cool that you're like, hey, I'm committed to what science is doing and I'm always curious, I'm always questioning, I'm always skeptical. Um, science usually pertains to something that is tangible, touchable. Right. But it seems that even with my own physician, there's been a touch of transition to uh, the state of mental health and mental health Mm -hmm. is is a big talking point, especially in the United States. And I found it fascinating that you were so caught on to this personality test thing that has picked up a lot of traction. Yeah. uh, In in communities and, and whatnot. Tell us about it. Okay, so first of all, Tatiana and I started an Instagram page. We have over 5,000 followers now. Are but you serious? Yeah. She's been doing... Uh, first of all, tell us what the, the, the test is called. It's Okay, so it's not a test. Oh. <laughs> you can take a test, but I <laughs> think it's a little bit more than that. Um, so it's called the Enneagram. A lot of people have heard of it. Um, there's a lot of books written about it. Um, a lot of like spiritual type books written around it. Um, but basically 
from what I understand, the history behind it is kind of unknown. Um, yeah, it's like ancient, like typing of personality. Really? Yeah, and then monks started using it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and they used it for like spiritual development. So I don't really know what the the initial root for it is, but it seems to be pretty accurate. People are pretty freaked out. It's definitely not astrology. It's not like that. Well, when you were first telling me about Enneagrams, I got to be real with you. I hate personality tests. Yeah. And I still don't like them. Yeah. Well, that's if you do a personality test. I'm advising against a test. Oh, my gosh. It's <laughs> like a test, dude. It's totally It's a, a personality typing. Okay. For someone, I am extremely skeptical of anything like that. Okay. And we did the personality testing together. Yes. And I enjoyed it more yes. than I expected. Right. Yes. I will admit to that. I'm not an a-hole. I'm not going to be like, it sucked. <laughs> um, well, I always want you to be honest, Isaac. That's how I like things. I know. Um. With that said, why do you think I found it more entertaining and also more helpful than a personality test? Well, I think it's um, a little deeper. I think it touches on parts of your life that you feel that other people wouldn't know. Things that maybe you've never shared or ever been able to articulate. And I think that's kind of the big thing. Would you recommend that most people try? Absolutely. Um, I think that instead of taking, maybe you could take a test um, to kind of get an idea of what you might be. But the deal is, is you don't really know which one you are until you start reading through them. And there's a lot of mistyping and I won't get into mistyping tonight. Right. I'm assuming that's, this, this is what I found palatable about it, is that it is more suggestive than hard fact. And I know a lot of people who enjoy personality tests are like, oh yeah, they're, they're, that's the way they're supposed to be. Every personality test or like every trait thing or like what is your gift kind of stuff that I've done, <laughs> it's offensive to me. And I don't know why. I don't know why. Like I'll take the test and I'll be like, I hate this. I'm overthinking every single question. I can't. It's like agree, strongly disagree. <laughs> uh, maybe. It's just like, dude, I don't know. That's sort of like the Enneagram test. I know. You took the test. I know. That's I, why reading descriptions is better. Right. So so maybe I should get into kind of how it's formatted. So basically, the Enneagram is formatted in numbers one through nine. Each number has a specific name attached to it. However, I always like to tell people not to read the name because when they read it, they think, oh, well, I do that. That must be me. Um. Well, give us, can you read the names of each sure. one? Sure. And there's like also like different variations of names. So a type one Enneagram is called the reformer, but a lot of people also call them the perfectionist. Um, a type two is the helper. Type three is the achiever. Four is the individualist. Five is the investigator. Six is the loyalist. Seven, the enthusiast. Eight, the challenger. And nine, the peacemaker. Um, each of them takes on a different social role. So depending on your, um, type, you typically will lean towards a specific social role. And then there's, um, something called triads. So triads are basically, um, groups of three where they group different parts of the any different numbers of the Enneagram together. Now, um, how have I done a triad or am I like a, what's no. the wing thing? Oh, talking so about the, the wings. wings. Okay. So 
the Enneagrams, like I said, I think I said this before, it's shaped like a circle. So um, nine is at the top and nine is considered the crown of the Enneagram. Um, a type nine person will typically struggle with self-identity. They will um, kind of identify with a lot of the different personalities and, and they can manifest almost all of them. Um, so they're at the very top and then off to the right is a one. It's almost shaped like a clock. Okay. It's a circle. Yeah, yeah I got you. <laughs> um, so, and then from there on, two, three, four, you know, et cetera, all the way back to right, nine at right. the top. So the um, important thing to know about wings is a lot of people will te- uh, test the Enneagram and they'll say, okay, I'm a six, but I wing to a two and a nine. And you can't do that. So you'll wing to the left or the right. So if you are a three, you will either be a three wing two or a three wing four. Does that make sense? So three can only wing to uh, specific wings is what you're saying? So you either go, you know, up the clock backwards or down the clock. What if you're a one? So if you're a one, you can either be a one wing two or a one wing nine. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I got it. Okay, but then the other thing is, is that um, the enneagram accounts for growth and change. So if you are, for example, an eight, you actually fly across the enneagram in health, and again in stress or unhealth. Um, so an eight in health will go towards a two, which is called the helper, and an eight in uh, stress actually goes towards a five, the investigator. Okay. So they'll manifest like the negative qualities. If this is something new for you, I just want to, I'm trying to hear it with new ears. Sure. It sounds a little bit like a cult. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Okay. I know. I'm sorry. Your wing, one wing, wing. I want to get into it's, what I tested just sure. to kind of help our listeners understand like what exactly it's, it's doing because even with you saying a nine is the crown. Yeah. That already sounds like a weird hierarchy. <laughs> it's like a little strange, right? Um, so let me just speak from my own experience. I was a one wing two. Correct. Right? Yes. And I believe that that specific wing is sometimes called the servant leader. Right. Um, sort of, I mean, like, it's interesting to hear it, but my favorite part about taking the test when I heard about it, is that I felt like a touch of the title identified with me. And the at reformer? Least, uh, no, no, no. The servant leader. The servant leader. Um, but my favorite thing about it was there's a section of... I, I gotta stop calling it the test. What do I call it? You can call it whatever you want. Okay. There was, towards the end, the assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, it said, me at my best... And me at my worst. Yes. And I think that is the moment that catches people's attention. Right. For the Enneagram thing. I don't know if you want to read or or if you have any sort of examples of what that's like. Um, But the cool thing about the assessment is that when it said you at your best, it inspired me to want to be me at my best. Yeah. So if you want me to read about it, um, this isn't really specifying any wings, but um, the type one Enneagram is called the reformer. So at their best, um, they are, I'm going to read a little description from the Enneagram Institute, which it happens to be a very good website to refer to. 
Um, you can also refer to our Instagram page. And you can refer to the Enneagram cult meeting site. It's called. On top of Harwood Hill, you'll see all the candles in a circle. Oh, my gosh. Nine candles. He's being sarcastic. But nine is the crown. (laughs) Never forget. I hope Tatiana listens to this. And nine is led by Alex Jones himself. Okay, so... Our in our Instagram page is called Enneagram Vibes, and we include a lot of memes that help people understand their type. They're very funny, I'm sure. They're hilarious. <laughs> I don't follow you guys back. <laughs> That's okay. Guys, check out uh, Enneagram's Vibes if this is at all jiving with uh, something you're interested in. Okay. So, Isaac, you, at oh, your no. best. Oh, no. This is the level one, according to the Enneagram Institute, becoming extraordinarily wise and discerning. By accepting what is, they become transcendently realistic, knowing the best action to take in each moment. Humane, inspiring, and hopeful. The truth will be heard. And when I heard that, I was like, I feel like I'm that right now or almost close, but with a lot more bitterness. (laughs) Well, then you're probably not at a level one. What do you mean? (laughs) You said there's some bitterness in there? Right, like yeah, a, that's that's more towards probably an average health level. I know, I know, that, but that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, it's like, oh, like that's what I want to be exactly. Except, I got some like I still have stuff that I'm not so pos. Like that's a very positive. Like that's you at your best. If I remember correctly, a one at its worst. Go ahead and read that. So the Enneagram Institute has a pretty interesting thing. It includes mental illness. Right into their worst so i'm gonna go there level nine no um, one. Oh, no one? this is level nine is being uh, of of type one okay so there's levels of health levels of health this is just how the enneagram institute just read, read okay level nine. okay so becoming condemnatory towards others punitive and cruel to yes. rid themselves of wrongdoers Severe depression, nervous breakdowns, suicide attempts are likely, generally corresponding to obsessive-compulsive and depressive personality disorders. I gotta say, there's this song called Everything in Its Right Place by Radiohead. And the song is about OCD. Yeah, do you relate to it? I freaking love the song. I can't stop listening to it. And it is like... It captures exactly, like, the feeling of being OCD. I know my room isn't really clean at the time, but I freak out eventually if stuff isn't cleaned after a long period of time. For example, I built a PC. Mm -hmm. The PC was in that old case that's sitting over there. I see it. I couldn't take it. I bought a new case. I was like, that is ugly. The cables are not managed correctly. Yeah. Everything needs to look clean and look good. Yeah. So I threw out the cooler. I bought a cooler just for looks. That's hilarious. You look at my, my desk setup downstairs. Everything is color coordinated. Yeah. The mouse pad is white and black. The keyboard is white and black. The In mouse is black. The, yeah. the, uh, the tower itself is white and black. The monitor has white. And it used to be standing on a metal stand. I got rid of the metal stand and bought a white stand. <laughs> like it's that crazy. Like I don't know what it is. Certain things just strike a chord. I'm like, it's gotta be, it's gotta look better. Totally. I also wanted to mention, um, I remember the part that stuck out to you most. Okay. Okay. So this is actually under a one wing two description where it says that perspective twos empathy 
um, with individuals joins with one's idealism to form servant leaders. People who are concerned with improving the human condition. Yeah. And I would, I would say that, I mean, if you know me on a personal level, we try to keep it light and fun, but honestly, this podcast sometimes dives into some more deeper topics and things about political ideas and whatnot. And those, I, those conversations and those thought trains, they just, they inspire me and they're important. And I value spending time with people talking about that stuff. Um, I value having people feel like they're heard and I value like, I don't know, like when you read that to me, I was like, that's the part of me that feels like I'm supposed to be a politician and I really don't want to be. And it sucks to hear it in a, in like a personality test. Cause I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that, but I, I definitely do see it as an aspect of myself. And I think that's why I became less skeptical when you read that to me. Yeah. Well, I also um, was going to say sometimes people aren't going to figure out which Enneagram they are based on an, a test. Maybe a lot of the Enneagram has to do with motives. So I'm going to give you an example. So again, with the triads, there's different things. There's the harmonic groups, the Hernevian groups, and the centers. What? Yeah. And they group them in groups of three. Each of them has different numbers combined, and it all works. It's amazing. I don't know. what You got to explain it more because okay. it sounds weird. Okay. So for um, the centers, it splits the Enneagram off into the heart, the mind, and the body. Oh, okay. I think I get what you're going at. You're saying that certain numbers assigned to certain people are so, clumped so let, so yeah so yeah exactly um so for the heart groups it's uh two three and four so that's the helper the achiever and the individualist and they are all part of the heart center so the heart the helper is ashamed of the heart they always feel guilty about their feelings they feel uh shame over their needs Hmm. A three is out of touch with their heart. They have, they like to like on Myers Brick. They want, they are more of the thinkers. They maybe are uncomfortable with emotion or they just don't have it. Right. And then um, fours, uh, the individualists, the special ones, <laughs> they, they tend to have a feeling of like, they're the only ones like this out there. Um, they are kind of embracing the heart center. So they are, you know, so for you, um, it's the body. So I'm also part of that, um, center. And so for me, my eight, I'm an eight, I'm the challenger. The eight is, um, in touch with the body and it tends to do with rage. So like I am quite okay with showing anger, right? A nine on the other hand will be out of touch with their anger and a one will be ashamed of their anger. Right. I don't get angry at anything because but, I don't like it. Yeah. You and really I, don't like it. No, I don't. I And I think that um, actually like ashamed is a good way of putting it because I had like a little bit of a mental freak out a while ago when I lost my class. Like I got dropped from my classes. Yeah, I remember. My first semester. That's the first time I've been like vividly flipped out and mad. Uh, yeah. And I felt so awful afterwards. Yeah. It was really weird. So sometimes people will be like, oh, I identify with 
you know, being out of touch with my heart center or whatever. And so the, so they'll kind of maybe identify more with that. And then, um, another triad is the Hernevian groups. So this is how people, what people do for autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for some people, they will be compliant. So they'll move towards people. Right. Um, so that's one, twos and sixes. So that's you and mom. Okay. <laughs> um, on the other hand, some people with will withdraw. Um, that's four, fives, and nines. And some people will be assertive, and they actually move against the natural flow of things, Cameron. which would be me. And Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> Where I want to move against people <laughs> to Cameron. prove myself, right? Yeah. So some people will identify with that. They'll be like, well, I definitely you know go against the flow right i want to prove myself right yeah um well in terms for autonomy so it's like your own like personal choices like if someone challenges me and tells me they're going to control me yeah now i'm gonna like go do the complete the opposite sorry okay and then the last one is harmonic groups so this is how people cope with what they don't have but what they think that they need so for example for me when something is um makes me angry or whatever like strikes anything in me i'm reactive like we talked about before uh-huh. um, reactive types are four six and eight some people will look at things in their life you know negative things um, with a positive outlook those tend to be two sevens and nines and people that um tend and one threes and fives tend to use competency as kind of their um their way to cope yeah I could see I could see that in myself. Yeah. Like as far as I'm a one, like I feel good at most things. Yeah. But not great at anything. But I'm like okay <laughs> with that. Dad always says that about himself too. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Besides the point, I think we're getting lost in the numbers. Yeah, for, I mean, I I wanted to kind of like lay it out a little. Yeah. I um, I think if anything of what Emily's talking about right now. Is striking interest you definitely need to go check out the test yeah and don't that, listen to me that's coming from someone who doesn't like personality tests i think the reason i enjoy this is because it is a catapult you could say totally. in personal growth where it's like hey and encourages change yeah it's saying you could be this and you could be this yeah um where are you at and how do you feel about it like go get it How are you responding to someone of another type? That's what I think is most helpful. Because you've kind of applied it to your marriage, right? Absolutely. So I'm a reactive type. I'm an eight. So I kind of respond to things with anger, passion, intensity. Um, Something about eights is that we strive for intensity. Um, Some people might take that as offensive because we see the world in black and white, as do ones. Um, Do you think you see the world in black and white? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, there's really no gray gray area with me. And so um, I found that I have some faults. And anyway, it's interesting. Like for me, I don't want to well, be. Well, hold on. I feel weird saying that I see the world in black and white because I enjoy swimming in the gray, if that makes sense. Yeah, but you always find a definitive answer. I believe in absolute truth. Exactly. Yeah. So do I. I totally love to like explore things with people. Yeah. But in the end, there's only one right and one wrong. Even some o- people disagree. I know. I know some people disagree. Yeah. 
they're not like I think about ones or eight. I know this is strange. <laughs> I think about like, you know, you watch that show Bandersnatch on Netflix, where you ch- make choices for a character in that in that TV show or the, your that. short movie. You should do it. It's fun. Okay. Um, or, you know, you play a game that you have to make a hard moral decision, right? Mm. For instance, Dad's been playing through this game called Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, I know it's a stretch, but you're gonna like where this is going. Okay. You just uh, basically have fully decimated and destroyed this island because there was an, a disease that outbroke on the island. Cool. Uh, and so you and the and the legion, it's it happens during ancient Roman time or ancient Greek time. Cool. You just wipe out the island because it's like this is a health issue. We don't know how to fix it. Uh, we kill them all. And your character is kind of like, wow, this is terrible. And then you're left with the decision where this little girl's like runs up to you. They're the last family on the island. The little girl says, hey, please don't kill my dad and my family. Please let us live here. We'll never leave. And you have a choice. You either kill the family, the last family. You just murder them right there. Mm-hmm. Or you let them live. Well, what would you do? Well... <laughs> this is what I found really funny is I watched, I I knew about this choice. It's early in the game, right? So it's not a spoiler if you're interested in playing the game, right? Um, but I'm watching dad uh, like two, three hours after that decision. And he's on this dock shore in the game running around. And there's a bunch of sick people on the, on the island. Uh-huh. And I'm like, hey, do you remember that choice you made like three hours ago? When you were playing this game? And he's like, no, not really. I don't really, I don't remember what you're talking about. I was like, remember that family you didn't kill? And he was like, oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. And I was like, you see all the sick people around you? (laughs) And he was like, it like, the dots connect. Because they don't hit you over the head with it. Yeah. You might not realize. And he was like, what? And then he was like, dude, I just was talking to these people in the game about how there's this huge disease outbreak. People are dying everywhere. And the game actually changes. How the crazy. entire like the game has multiple endings. Huh. So it's like the the whole um trajectory of, of that decision, even though in the moment like it like that's where I'm like, oh I like the idea of exploring the gray. But I think that you and I would agree it's like you should have killed the family. I don't know. I, I like for <laughs> me I'm like I think that the I cost think I would have isolated them and let them die in Right, okay, well, there's another option, but, like, <laughs> it's just a game. It's a video game, right. right? Like, those decisions, it's like, of course, I wouldn't want to kill the family. Well, you're thinking of the greater good of the population. Right. And I think that's kind of a one thing of you. Yeah, greater good. But greater I also good. hate, I hate that phrase. Because it's, like, <laughs> in a lot of dystopian things, like, oh, the greater yeah. good. It's creepy, you know? yeah. It is really that. creepy. Um, the greater good. <laughs> what is that from? I don't know, but it's familiar. What is that from? Something. Oh man, it's that gonna is, bother it's, me. It's, it's like everything's from something. Everything comes from something, you know. Um, everything comes from something. <laughs> what's the name a, of this podcast? What a stupid show. What a, what a dumb. <laughs> what a dumb idea. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. Yes. But anyway, we were talking about relationships, right? So something interesting that I found out. So Austin who was on the show, you know, a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. He is actually a three, which is the achiever or the performer. 
And something about them is they love praise on their performance because that's where they see value. Right. So I and I, as an eight, really don't like over flattering people. I think it's annoying because mm-hmm. when people are overly flattering, they're usually lying. Right. Well, I mean, how how hard can you really try? It's quite a cynical of you to say that. Well, I don't really trust people. So. Well, well, well. <laughs> We're getting authentic here. <laughs> also true of eights. <laughs> I hate to put myself in a box, but it's also true. Mm hmm. It's hard. It's hard, you know. Um, but what I was going to say is that I realized that when I told Austin, I would say, oh, I think that the, what you did was amazing. And I and I'm being honest, right? Because I don't lie. Yeah. I say I, lo- I love what you did. But, you know, for the longest time, I thought, oh, how annoying would it be for him to hear me go on and on about his achievements? He soaked it up like a sponge, like he was dry. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. So, I mean, you so just going to give him some compliments when he gets home. Well, he gets home at four in the morning, so just, you should. I'll be like, "Honey, you look so good in your scrubs, covered in vomit and poop." And then you'd be like, "Hey, you did great." Other thing about Austin. Side note: loves gifts. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know funny. that. Dang, did I? I got him something for his birthday. Yeah, you got him a bobblehead. Yeah, I can't afford anything else. <laughs> it's funny. Austin loves gifts, and I know he's gonna listen to this, so I'm sorry. But he just like, I think what's funny is whenever I get him a gift, he opens it and he's like, sweet. And then he's like, what's the next gift? No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. Oh, I, I know he doesn't mean it in a bad way. He doesn't mean it in a bad way. Yeah. He just loves gifts. That's well, what I meant. Like he, he feels like, so loved by them. Like he, lo- no, like I know he appreciates it. Yeah. But he loves gifts. Yeah. It's kind of like funny. he loves to, o- like even this last Christmas, he was opening them so quick. You know what I mean? He was like, I love it. Like he yeah. loves to like open them. Yeah. He's good at giving gifts too. He's super good at giving gifts. And yeah. he love and he yeah, sometimes I'm like, really? I mean, I love the gifts. But I'm like the money. He's good gift giver. He is a very good gift giver. You should be friends with Austin. Yeah. Follow at his O four bad GTO. Oh four right? bad GTO. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he'll give you a gift. Maybe. He does giveaways sometimes. Once. Yeah. Once a giveaway. So yeah, so the Enneagram's great for relationships. It kinda helps you understand how people process information. Um, I think it's really good for coworkers to know, you know, what each other's Enneagrams are and how maybe the relationship with that person can be different, how you can interpret them differently. Maybe what matters to them, right? Um I would love to see someone incorporate this to like the corporate world. People do. Yeah, like it yeah, would be but, interesting. Yeah. To have, what if like, I know this is not, would not go over well, but I think in like extremes, as you can tell with my death family situation in that game, um, what if like they did a corporate like Enneagram thing and they just made everyone wear their number for like I mean, a month? I mean, it would be, I mean, yeah, you don't really want this kind of a weird thing, especially because people mistype all the time. Yeah. People sometimes are not very self-reflective. I think, well, our personality types are. Exactly. Right? Like, we're pretty honest. Yeah. Um, I think that if you're actually seeking direction, like I said, I see this Enneagram thing as a catapult. Totally. Um, but. Well, the other thing about the Enneagram that's kind of fun is that you can see famous people in time. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That was fun to kind of, I don't even know who ones were. Um, I think 
Well, I can look. You can look. But hey, we're going to wrap it up because we're at an hour and a half. Oh my gosh. See, this podcast Are we going to do a post bad. show? Is that something we do? We will skip the post show this time because I wanted you to talk about Enneagrams. Even though it's a little cryptic. <sighs> you wanted that post show, didn't you? No, I don't know. It's like 11.30, dude. <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> ready to crash. I haven't gotten my break. For Are you day. ready to see what a type one? Hit it. Okay. Um... <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Some of these are funny. Just do it. Okay. Confucius. Uh, Plato. Okay. Joan of Arc. Nelson right. Mandela. Michelle Obama. She's type one. Apparently. I don't know. I don't know about that. Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I don't know about that. I actually probably would type Hillary Clinton as a three. Really? Yeah. The achiever? Mm-hmm. I are also the most deceptive. I wouldn't. <laughs> if Just she's because the, she lost doesn't mean she's not an achiever. <laughs> doesn't mean she lost. Well, that is actually... I, I, I will give her credit. She was... Wasn't she the vice president? No. What? Secretary of... Honestly, I don't do politics. Sorry. Uh, Secretary of State under... I should do politics. The really should know Benghazi situation. I don't Y'all know. Okay, can I tell you my favorite number one though? Sure. Harrison Ford. Sweet dude. Yeah. That scares me. If I'm like Harrison Ford when he's old, if I if I It's pretty sick. Not what would cool. be not elderly. It would be interesting. <laughs> I don't know, like some people are like, oh, like you're gonna go places, you're gonna do things, people are gonna know your name and who knows maybe i'll end up working at a restaurant for the rest of my life i don't know but it would be funny to listen to this podcast when i'm 65 if i am famous and i'd be like a hermit like harrison ford and i'm like <laughs> freaking oh that uh, episode 36 i should have known i'm like harrison ford as a hermit is he really a hermit and he's okay. he's just i know that he's tired of <laughs> being in movies but they pay too well yeah, so he, they just kill him off. Well, like, he came back for Blade Runner, and he really hates Star Wars. <laughs> Did he die in Star Wars? Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Whoops. Oops. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> that mean you'd be in the 1%. Yeah, yeah, that's just your fault. <laughs> Anyways. Well, Emily, any um, last thoughts on the Enneagrams? Um, read some books about it. Uh, The Road Back to You. Is a really good one. That does sound like a a fun read. Yeah. Better than most (laughs) personality tests. (laughs) The novel. Well, it kind of it kind of breaks it down into like realistic things. Basic fears, basic desires. It helps you understand people. I think that's super important, especially because relationships, you know, we don't understand each other truly. We think we do. But we're just looking at it through the, our lens, right? Right. How right. we view the world. Just going back to that information, even the studies, right? Yeah. See, Emily, you did a great job on the show. Man, I probably got to talk for like 10 more hours. I know. I feel like I didn't get it all in. I'm sorry. The hour and a half goes by fast. We'll I know you're like, part two. I know you're like, dude, that's so long. You I literally called like, me today. You're like, that, I don't even know if I can do the show. I was like, I'm not ready. I was like, I'm so tired. You cut probably half the information you even wanted to share. I know. I'm kind of disappointed. Why do you think Cameron and I always go to like two hours, even like more sometimes? Because we have so much information we like to talk about. Can I just make a shout out to Cameron? Yeah. I just feel like 
he's such a great part of this team. He is a crucial aspect to this podcast. He brings something to the table that I don't think a lot of people can. Uh, like words, I don't even know what they mean. I know. He's, he's really <laughs> well-spoken. Yeah, very well-versed. I've, tr- I've been trying to learn more vocabulary just to keep up with him on the show. I know. I wonder where he gets all his vocab. Does he read a lot? He does. He reads more than me. We had an episode uh, just oh, two episodes ago about reading. And oh. basically it was Cameron recommending books and me being like, I don't read. Sounds good. I know. You never have. I mean, I was surprised how much more I had picked up. Pretty much, we talked about high school literature a lot of the time. Okay. So stuff we had to read. Right. But Cameron had a lot of different recommendations. For sure. Um, yeah, I'm always so impressed. And I almost, like, he uses the words in a way where I'm like, I can make, I can figure out what that means. Yeah. But it's big word. I feel responsible for the everyday listener on this show. I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes Cameron can go on and on. It's Isaac for the people. Isaac for the, the people. Pe- of the people. Uh, you know, sometimes <laughs> I just got to cut him off. I'm like, what are you getting at? Yeah. What are you getting at, dude? You got to you gotta wrap it up. For sure. So, speaking of wrapping it up, ladies wrap and gentlemen, it, it has been a fun show. Emily, thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. Anytime. I, I know Cameron appreciates it. You were a lot more professional and informative than I expected. That's just who I am. Well, you you, uh, you, know? you said it yourself. Your personality test is more aggressive. Yeah, definitely forward. Definitely aggressive. You are forward. But, but, but an advocate for people. I care about people. I know. I know you do. Yeah, you that's just where came the across aggression a, comes in. Extremely. <laughs> <laughs> you, you came out extremely uh, professional on this show. Cool. Well, I hope it wasn't too boring. I just, I'm thinking about... Um, when you saw that car parked next to Glenn. <laughs> Stupid driver. You got you got all your unprofessionalism out when you saw that car parked next he to Glenn. Like, he like parked sideways. Like the wrong... W- <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, everything comes from something is fully fan funded. We do not have any ad support. And well, that's because we're small. But guess what? Small is authentic. So we really appreciate you guys listening. Again, give us a rating on iTunes. Tell a friend about us. That's how the podcast grows. And if you want to throw a couple bucks our way, you can check us out at ECFS Podcast. Uh, did I say that wrong? Yeah. E? It is patreon.com slash ECFS Podcast. Like I said, small podcast, authentic. authentic. We'll be back. We will be back next week. Hopefully Cameron will be there to join us. Again, we appreciate you guys and your time. <laughs>